Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the trade addicts podcast thank you and enjoy your podcast from dynastyleaguefootball.com and the dlf family a podcast that's James the Brain. Man, my super six pack is so big, it's a keg. That's Mr. Yenza, Brian Hart. Did somebody say six pack? He actually said something along with the can open this time. Nice. <laughs> it's a, This is an extra special episode already. I am John. You be my Natalie. I'll be your Mrs. Garrett Hogue. And this is the Super Flex Super Show. Well, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. The facts of life. We're, we're talking facts of life today. We're taking the good, we're taking the bad, we're taking those moments that make you say, what the F? We're talking about those moments that make you say, that's effing right. And uh, I, I actually... I should have let Brian Haar set this one up. This was his idea, and I think this is going to be a a new recurring format here, a new a new uh, a new topic that we're going to have to go over uh, every now and then here on the Superflex Super Show. So, uh, Brian, what what was the inspiration behind this particular show? Yeah, so uh, you know how you kind of scroll through Twitter, and there are certain things that just catch your eye, and you're like man, what the f- is that, <laughs> you know, and, uh, or, or, or there's a, there's a trade pull you see and it's, it's way lopsided. Uh, and it's just like, oh man, what the, f-? you know, yeah. uh, and, and then same thing on the other side, just with the, the whole, um, you know, yeah, that's effing right, man. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So these are just kind of things, things that uh, across several weeks for me, cause I've been off for a couple of weeks. So, um, you know, several, several weeks for me of things that have just kind of popped out, stuck out, um, and made me kind of go, what in the world? So it's a day in the life of Twitter for sure. So, um, we thought we would take some of those, uh, some of those, what the F and that's F and right moments and bring them here onto the super flex super show this week. And, uh, we get to, in the meantime, we also get to bring back one of our all-time favorites is Super Six, Top Six, Top Six, and I, uh, so we each have. Were, I thought you were gonna say I was one of your favorites, but you went with the Super Six, and I don't know. Oh, heard because oh, yeah. you know, like Brian got this grand intro, intro and everything, and like <laughs> I just, just kind of hear my mic muted, and I thought, all right, John's gonna show me some love, and then and then you just, <laughs> just went to the Super Six there, so. Uh yeah. Feeling, just yeah. feeling a little left out, is all. But go ahead. Uh, Super mm-hmm. six is great. 
Yeah, I know. I kind of take you for granted lately. Uh, I I don't know what the f. I guess that's uh fair for you to say that. Putting it on my list now. All right. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, James the Brain is back. We get to talk with James the freaking Brain. How about that? That's that's for forget Super Six. Forget what the f. That's effing right. We've got James the Brain here tonight. Right. I mean, it's is a little late, right? but as long as you're going to edit that first, like Super Six part out, and just go straight to that, I, I'm I'm good. <laughs> okay, you're, you're not going to yeah. edit it out, are you? Oh no, I, I don't see. I, yeah, I don't really a, edit anymore. You just made the list, John. You just made the list. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I I thought I was already on the list, but uh, yeah. So speaking of lists, we each have uh, two. Uh, two lists of our top six. Our top six, what the F's? Our top six, that's F and right. And uh, that makes up our super six for this episode of the Super Flex Super Show. Let's get to it. And we'll start with Brian since this uh, this was your brainchild. Give us, tell us, uh, give us your top six, what the F's. Yeah, sure. So, so for me, it, I'm gonna start off with the whole the whole premise of this "what the f" thing. Uh, the very first thing and the thing that's been at the top of my list um, since I, you know, had this concept pop into my brain. Uh, AJ Brown's value right now in dynasty leagues. Yeah. Uh, what the f, bros? Like. Yeah. Oh my God! Have you seen some of the trade polls? Yeah, yeah, I know he's uh, off the top of my head. I mean, I, I I feel like I've seen some for like Odell Beckham Jr., like guys in that range for sure. I mean, adding to DJ Moore to get to AJ Brown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've actually what? tried to trade for him. In a week, I actually tried. I thought, oh, it can't be as bad as everyone's saying, right? It's a reasonable owner that has A.J. Brown. I offered a trade of Kenny Galladay for A.J. Brown, and I got back a reply. Kenny Galladay and a 2021st and a 2021 second for A.J. Brown. I could, I, I, his, I love A.J. Brown. I do not love A.J. Brown's value. What the F? I'm not paying that. Insanity. Just insane. I, I I saw him go in a super flex mock in the second round of ADP. And not like the very end, like mid-second. So we're talking like top 18 player. No. 52 catches. After 52 catches, you're gonna put him in the top eight. No. Sorry. What the F? I don't even know what's happening right now. AJ Brown's value is insane. If you have him on a dynasty roster right now, you need to sell him immediately. Immediately. Yeah. For, for like an insane amount too, because I, I, apparently people are going to, people who really like them are going to pay it. They're going to think it's worth it. So yeah, sell them for, for an insane amount and then just smile all season next season. Cause uh, that that's going to be, I mean, you're selling him at his ceiling that that's for sure. 
Well, and I, yeah, I mean, I, it, look, I don't want this to be, you know, I don't want this to be, be mistaken for me not liking AJ Brown. I love AJ Brown. I love the way he looks on the field. I, he's a beast. I mean, he's, he makes contested catches. He's super fast. He, you know, he's strong as hell. You know, he looks like a beast out there and he's really good. But I mean, 52 catches in the league so far. And look, I, I get it. Like, I understand we're we're into projecting future values, um, and and you know what can this guy do? But I just I have to see more before I'm before I'm putting him in that tier of player. I just can't do it yet. I just can't. Yeah, totally agree with that take. Yeah, over the last five games of the season, he was the wide receiver two, and that's the problem. That that's kind of what people are are trying to buy. And totally leaving out the part where, you know, the other over the ele- other 11 games of the season, he was a wide receiver 39. Now, I mean, part of that, obviously, you know, he's a rookie. Uh, it, we we generally don't expect a whole lot of output from a, a rookie wide receiver, you know, early on. Um, he although he had a monster first game of his of his career, too. But, uh, it, you know. So it's it's easy to chalk up that wide receiver 39 thing as, you know, that was the growing pains, and now we're past that. Now he's the wide receiver too, like from now on. That's kind of the narrative, and it's just, we, we, we just, this is a recency bias that we talk about all the time. You know, this is this is what we're talking about when we say recency bias the last five games of the season, if that, if he had that stretch in the first five games of the season, instead of the last five games of the season, his value would not be anywhere near this point, even though for the season, he would have had the exact same outcome. Yeah. And, and speaking on those five games, I mean, he, he was awesome in those games. Again, there's no doubt about it. Colts, Raiders, Texans, Saints, Texans. I mean, the Saints are a good defensive football team, and he was probably matched up against Marshawn Lattimore. I think he got a lot of his work there on a on a reverse, though, didn't he? A lot yeah. of his a lot of his points in that game were on like a a fifty yard reverse or something that he right. ran in. You know, but the Texans, I mean, the Texans defense on the back end isn't anything to write home about. The Colts, the Raiders, I mean, those are some pretty light defenses. He goes to New England in the playoffs, one catch, four yards. Yeah. And look, and look, the truth of who AJ Brown is is somewhere in between that. He's not the wide receiver two. No. He's not the wide receiver seven or six where he's being drafted either right now. Yeah. He 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 finished the season as a wide receiver twenty-two. And that's probably I, I think that's probably closer to what AJ Brown is gonna be. Yeah, I'd agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I probably a little higher. I, I'd probably, I think I've been ranked actually somewhere in the wide receiver 16 range. But I, I, I mean, I think that's, that's kind of where he belongs. Like top 10 is too much. Top five is way too much. Especially given the quarterback situation currently. And yes, Ryan Tannehill has been on fire this season too. Uh, I'm not sold. All right. So moving along. Uh, so, so. My next what the F, and uh, James, I think this one's probably going to set you off pretty good. So um, <laughs> my second what the F is I, so so on the list, it is Jonathan Taylor 1.09, okay? Um, I was listening to a mock draft, 
and a a mock draft that has respected analysts, people that I respect and interact with a lot. Um, and Jonathan Taylor went 109 in this in this mock, in this rookie mock, Ooh. and I was shocked. I mean, wow. every every time he didn't get picked after a certain point, probably for me it was the 105. And and even there, I mean, I I think you can make an argument that Jonathan Taylor should be one of the top two picks, and Superflex top three. Okay, but once he got once we got down 105, 106, and he wasn't coming off the board, I was shocked. I was shocked. So I'm interested to hear what you think of on, on that, James. Well, I okay. So part of me hates it, and then part of me hates the part that hates it because he loves it. And the reason being is because, oh, okay. So obviously I hate it because I, I, Jonathan Taylor getting disrespected like that. He should, he should be in a super flex league. I would say one, three, one, four, somewhere in that range. Cause I'm sure, you know, if two is the medicals come back and, you know, you want to say, Hey, look, I would take Joe Burrow and Tua and Deandre Swift over him. No shocker there. I understand that's how most, most people's rankings will, will fall there. If two is medicals come back good and he has good draft capital behind him, which is what I expect. So I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, and, and any further to me, I mean, is, is a mild surprise, but once he, once he slips, I mean, I can't, I couldn't make, an argument for uh, any wide receiver in this class over him, um, including CD lamb, who I like an awful lot. Uh, but I, I, yeah. So to me that I, I hate that part, but the part I really like Brian is that I do let them push him down because that just means I'm going to have so much more Jonathan Taylor shares come rookie draft season, come my rookie drafts. So I think I'm okay with it. I, I think, uh, you know, like, kind of I kind of devilishly have a smile because I hope that that happens I hope he gets pushed down draft boards because that means I don't have to use as much draft capital to get a guy that I would take at 1.03 in super flex leagues and and probably 1.01 or two you know um in in non-super flex leagues so yeah I I'm I I kind of have mixed feelings about it yeah, I, I was just shocked at how far he, he dropped. And, you know, even, I mean, even within the running backs, I think he was, I think, I'm trying to remember exactly what the order was, but I think he was like the running back four or five. I can't mm-hmm. remember, you know, and I just, I mean, he, for me, is definitely in the conversation as the as top three. I mean, it for me, it's Swift. Taylor and Dobbins. Yeah. And, and I, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to really uh, knock him for the amount of carries and the, the, his workload. Um, and, and, you know, uh, his fumbling, you know, he, he definitely has some, some issues securing the football and that's, that's an ongoing problem that he's had all three years, um, you know, and it, it didn't get any better this last year. So that, that hurts. And he's, you know, in the passing game, he relatively wasn't unknown until this last year where he caught 26 balls. So I think, you know, there's going to be some people who are going to knock him for things like that. However, one of the the things that Ethan pointed out uh, on last week's show, and, um, and I'll never forget it because he, uh, he kind of like rejected me like Dikembe Mutombo at the bucket. So, um, 
it, it was that guys who have over 250 carries a year are less likely to get injured the next season. Um, and he also brought up that Jonathan Taylor has been pretty much um, a, a picture of health at his time in Wisconsin. Um, some to the, you know, to the likes of guys like Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, who didn't miss, you know, McCaffrey didn't miss any time. Barkley, a, a, a couple games with a, an ankle injury at Penn State, but uh, that was about it. And so, you know, th- to me, I, I have... A, I, I, I'm not worried about the workload um, because it, you know, because of what um, Ethan said. It also, I, I don't have the questions on his durability. Can he, can he hold up to a big workload? I already know the answer there. I don't with guys like Swift and 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 Dobbins and that sort of thing. I mean, they haven't done it for three straight years like um, like Jonathan Taylor has done it. So I have a little less concern there. And then to me, the things that he, he you know, the passing game. He he clearly worked on this in the off season. I mean he uh, he he definitely. I mean he was catching uh, like five, six, eight balls a season, and he went up to twenty five or twenty six um, this past season. He he worked on his hands. He scored a lot of touchdowns through the air. Um, he seemed dynamic when he got the ball in his hands with space, and that's what you want to see out of a running back. So I think um, the fact that he recognized his weaknesses and worked on them. Man, to me, that states everything about him. He's a, he's an excellent kid too, and uh, and I would have you know I, I I don't think I would have much to worry about off the field either, which is again something you you know in this day and age we kind of have to have to take into account. You know, if if uh, if there's some concern in that area moving forward, you know, you don't want to take a player who you know maybe a, a risk of you know missing games with suspensions and such. So, um, yeah, I, I so to me, I think it's ridiculous that he. He'd fall that far, but again, you know, if he's going to, I'm going to take advantage of it and uh, and snag him up everywhere I can later in drafts than I thought I would be able to. Yeah, John, do you have any thoughts on Taylor? Uh, n- not so much on on Taylor specifically. It's just kind of uh, just just uh, you know a practical matter on rookie drafting. I just uh, I I assume. In order for him to fall to 109, that probably means you're you're taking several wide receivers ahead of him. I think I think two went ahead. CD Lamb, CD Lamb, Jerry Judy. Huh? No, I'm missing one. I think I I can't remember exactly what the order was. Yeah. Or, or do we have you know more than two quarterbacks going in the top eight or ahead of uh, ahead of Taylor? Uh, that's a great question too. <laughs> Which, I think I know the two like, went. It it makes sense, Brian. If two quarterbacks went, two receivers went, and you said he was the fifth running back, so four running backs went. That would be eight eight players going, and he would go one point oh nine. So that that could very well be it. Um, but yeah, I I definitely feel like uh to me the three that you mentioned Dobbins, Taylor, and uh um. Swift. And Swift, yeah, are are my tier one, um, and 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 guys that just miss out are guys like Cam Akers and um, Travis Etienne and 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 that sort of thing. So, um, to me, that, yeah, it's the teardrop. Yeah, you know, like they were taking guys from another tier for me right. um, ahead of, ahead of you know JT. So yeah, Etienne was definitely one that was taken ahead of Taylor. Um, I don't think I think Akers was right after him. Um, 
So, but but I don't remember. Oh, Najee Harris went as well, I believe. Oh man, yeah, that's that's crazy. That <laughs> that one's insane. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it just it like even then. I I, I mean, so if you want to say that guys like Etienne and Dobbins are are you know close enough to Taylor that you know it's landing spot dependent. Um, you you know to a point where you can move Taylor down if he lands in a in a bad spot and those two end up in in dream spots. You know I I, I can get on board with that part, but I just in in you know James has been running these uh, these polls is basically kind of putting together a mock draft or a mock rookie superflex draft. Um, on Twitter, make sure to go vote on those. Um, and uh, let's let's make this make a little bit more sense <laughs> than what it has so far. Uh, but you know, the the fact that these wide receivers, and I get it, I get that Jerry Judy and CD Lamb are both, you know, extreme or, or I mean, they they look like stars in the making. I just don't think that there's really any reason to draft those guys. You know, like it, the the wide receiver or the the running backs and the quarterbacks have to completely dry up before those guys make any sense. And I, I, I'll it's as easy as this. I, I'll point you to Nikhil Harry, who, you know, we had him as the top wide receiver last year. And in fact, one of the best wide receivers to come out in the draft in several years. And, I, you know, look at the amount of value that he's lost to this point, like to a point where I, you know, you could, you could trade away um, off the, I'm kind of going off the top of my head here, but I mean, I think that you could probably trade a late first round pick uh, to get Nikhil Harry at this point, maybe even an early second. And, and, and wide receivers just do that. You know, it, we we talked about it with AJ Brown. You don't expect much from a rookie wide receiver, but because of that, I mean, there's just not a whole lot of value in drafting a rookie wide receiver. It you know that it just it, it's going to take way too long for them to to return that value, and in the meantime, they're actually going to lo- lose a lot of it. So it, you know, I I, I I'm okay. I, obviously, I'm okay with taking the quarterbacks. That's kind of your last chance to do it. But beyond that, like for me, you know, if again, if you want to say that Jonathan Taylor can fall behind, you know, some of these other running backs that I'm fine with that. There's there's certainly a chance of that. But, you know, taking a wide receiver ahead of most of these running backs is just something that I'm not going to be able to endorse. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and move on to my next one here. Um, and this one is something that is, is a personal thing that is happening to me in leagues. I do not have a lot of Cooper cup shares, but where I do, I cannot move them for value at all. So what the F is happening? (laughs) It's kind of the whole Rams offense at this point. And I, I don't like, I I was going to, I know you're going to, you've got a little bit to talk about, uh, with Jared Goff as well, but um, that he was one that I wanted to bring up today tonight as well, just because his ADP right now is it's so depressed, and I'm 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 trying to find it as I'm talking here. But uh, so in the middle of the fourth round right now, after 
well, I mean, one spot after Cooper Cup. <laughs> um, but, you know, after Josh Allen, after 1.03, that, that the rookie, uh, rookie pick 1.03, people are drafting that pick ahead of Jared Goff. And like that kind of tells you all you need to know. I mean, if the quarterback can't make any any kind of progress in a super flex league, then I mean, what chance do the wide receivers have? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I have tried to move him in I have him in two leagues, and I've tried to move him in both leagues, and I cannot get I mean, not even close to value. I mean, so so using just and look again, just one tool, right? But the the DLF trade analyzer, right? That incorporates a lot of different our rankings and I forget what all else is in there, but it's intense. Yeah, yeah, actual trade, right? So, uh, suggested players around Cooper Cup's value: Derrick Henry. Nope, you're not getting Derrick Henry for Cooper Cup. Mm -hmm. Baker, no chance. No. Travis Kelsey, maybe in a non-premium league. Maybe. Because mm-hmm. he's 31. Probably not, though. Yeah. Kelsey's still going almost a full round ahead of Cup. Right. Diggs, no. A.J. Brown, you can't get A.J. Brown for Cooper Cup right now. Trust me, I've tried. No. no. D- Diggs, you can probably do. You think you can get Diggs for Cooper well, Cup? According to ADP, at least you can. Uh, Cup actually goes two spots ahead of Stephon Diggs. So mm. I'm, not but, sure, I'm not sure trade value wise, though, that yeah, it, that it gets there. Yeah, it. So in in this ADP was it was compiled kind of in uh, mid December. So I mean, it, a lot has happened since you know the the fourth round of the of these mock drafts. So. You know, it's it's certainly possible um, that Stephon Diggs jumps up where uh, just by the fact that he's actually on TV still. You know, they just right they just won a game and and they're going to play another one while the Rams have been at home for you know a couple weeks now. Yeah, I th- I think that uh, that's crazy, but I think the takeaway, Brian, that I would have from this is. Maybe it's time to buy Cooper Cup on the cheap in some of the leagues I don't have him in because I, I expect, and I, I know, John, I, I'm pretty sure you agree with me, I expect the Rams passing offense to take a step forward next year. It's a, an offense to buy low in on, and I think Cooper Cup is the target I would want over any of them. So maybe if I can get Cooper Cup for a value on someone who's you know just trying to move him is down on him because that Rams offense in general wasn't great, and people are souring on golf. Maybe, maybe it's maybe the take here is to buy them cheap, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's a great idea to be honest. And I'm with you guys in in thinking that the Rams' offense would be one that might be able to rebound next year. The thing for me that that is <clears throat> is confusing, you know. So Cup was the wide receiver six overall weeks one through sixteen. Wide receiver two, weeks one through eight, so the first half of the season. Then the Rams had their bye, and after the bye, he was the wide receiver 36. Robert Woods was just the opposite. Like, prior to the to the bye, Woods was, I don't know where he was. I think he was in the 20s. And then he jumps up to, like, wide receiver seven or eight over the final eight games of the season. So 
it's there. It's just which one of those dudes is going to, you know, it's it, the, the year prior. It was both. It was all everyone in the offense was a fantasy asset that you could, I mean, you could, you could own three Rams wide receivers, you know, throwing Brandon cooks in there too. You could own all three of them and start all three of them. You can't do that anymore, at least not based on this season. And I, you know, I, I think that probably is where, you know, the uncertainty of, okay, which guy's it going to be this week is kind of where the other thing is it's hard. I mean, Cooper cup was scoring in the thirties, almost every game fantasy wise, the first eight weeks. So, you know, when you look at his statistics over the last several weeks of the season, you know, he he had a he had a zero coming off the bye in week 10. I don't even know. He might not have played. I'm not sure. Um, well, no, there's a zero in there. So he played. So he had a zero week 10. Then week 11 and 12, he was under 10 points. He had eight and a half and nine and a half. But then 18, 15, 16, 13 over the final four games. So it's not like he was non-existent it was just it was four for 34 and a touchdown it was five for 61 and a touchdown you know what I mean as opposed to the first several weeks of the season the first half of the season I mean he's catching 13 passes for 150 yards and two touchdowns so I I think just the you know it's strange how and it's another case of what have you done for me lately and this community absolutely is a what have you done for me lately? And it can be as lately as the last game for some people in this community. You see somebody have a bad game, try to capitalize on it because there's probably somebody out there that's looking at this going, oh, shit, (laughs) that was a bad game. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of what I said about A.J. Brown, you know, if he if he went on the same run that he went on at the end of the season, if that had happened at the start of the season instead, his value would not be anywhere near what it is right now. Case in point is Cooper Cup. Over the first six games of the season, he was the wide receiver three. 121.7 fantasy points over the first six games. So over over 20 points a game. Right. And, uh, you know, but it, it, it came early instead of coming late. And that's the whole reason that his ADP is in the tank his values in the tank and and AJ Browns is is over the moon. Well, and another guy that you can look at that kind of had a a monster you know start to the year was DJ Chark. Yeah. You know, and then he kind of fell off and his 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 value really hasn't dropped a lot, but I think it's because of his age cuz he's so young. He's only 23 years old, so but but you know, he kind of tailed off in that same way and I don't think that the trade value for him you know, at the end of the season is what it was in week six, seven, eight of the season when he was on fire, you know? Yep. So, yeah. So anyways, that was another what the F and that rolls right into my next one too, is we were talking about the Rams offense. Um, So Twitter poll, DK Metcalf or Jared Goff was the Twitter poll and DK Metcalf was winning it handily, like 70 some percent to 30 some percent when I looked. And that kind of was shocking to me a little bit. Um, it was after the playoff game on Sunday where he was an absolute animal. Um, so, but that was one that I was kind of like, oh, wow, like DK, the wide receiver two on his team, maybe. I know there's some people out there that probably are going to argue with that. Um, 
is is valued higher than a starting quarterback in the league and one who's been a good a pretty good starting quarterback in superflex leagues not three, as great this year but three straight years is a QB1 for Jared go. Goff including 2019 by the way he was still he was the quarterback 12 overall so even go. in a down year he's still a QB1 yeah mm-hmm. so i was shocked yeah. i was shocked by this one I think I think people have soured on golf, and uh, I, I think it's been an overreaction. Like John just stated, QB twelve—that's it. If he's if he's the quarterback twelve, he's he's a QB one, like you said, John. And I I, I think a, a, a QB one in a super flex league is worth more than uh, DK Metcalf. And I I really I like DK Metcalf um, in a lot of Devi leagues I was in. Um, DK Metcalf and Nikhil Harry were the two big names, you know, in that class. And I actually was one of the very, very few that was taking DK Metcalf over Nikhil Harry. Now I know um, a lot has changed. That was in Debbie drafts. Now, you know, a lot has changed and I still don't know that DK is going to be better than Nikhil Harry. However, that's how high I was on DK Metcalf. I just, I I really liked his game. Uh, that being said, though, uh, just the value is on golf side here in the Superflex. It's not close. Um, I would need to get DK plus uh, like a first to move on from golf. And even that is, you know, I'm, I'm, that's when I'm considering it. Um, so, yeah, to me, this is way off. But um, normally Superflex is. I just I don't think people value the quarterback position nearly enough. And I think um, in a vacuum, this looks fine. But once you actually put some context behind it with a team, you realize that it's not a sustainable option unless the guy who's dealing golf has like six other starting quarterbacks or something, you know? Um, but even then I think you can get more than DK. So I still don't think the value is there. So, so my next one rolls into another performance in the playoff game. And so let me set this up for you. So Adam Thielen, if you watch the game, um, was good in this game. Um, Seven catches, I think 129 yards or something like that in the game. Um, That was a what the moment for me because I have to be completely honest. I thought Thielen was done. I thought Thielen was done. I thought the -hmm. days of Adam Thielen being the wide receiver one in Minnesota and the debate between he and Stephon Diggs, you know, with with the... um, with the emergence of Dalvin Cook and that running game, um, I, I just I thought Thielen's days of being being that guy were done. And then he comes out here in the playoffs against the Saints and just goes absolutely bonkers. And he makes some huge catches. He did have the fumble early in the game, but that uh, over the shoulder catch in overtime that set them up for the winning touchdown. I mean, that was an outstanding play. Um, He's the best in the league at that that making that tracking. Catch, by the way. Yep. It, yeah, those those deep balls and it, it's like it's not even sometimes it's not even over his shoulder. It's like actually over his head, kind of Willie Mays style. It's just I, I I mean that's a that's an incredibly hard catch to make, and he makes them routinely. He's he's the best in the league at that. Anytime you've got a wide receiver who's the best at you know something like something that that actually kind of matters and you know, actually, actually helps you win, actually, you know, scores fantasy points, something like that. I mean, I, I, I think that that's, that's compelling enough to, to kind of keep him in the conversation. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting, though, the way this offense runs now. Um, it, it seems to run through Delvin Cook, and I don't know that there's going to be enough passing volume in, in in most games to keep Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs both fantasy relevant. So I think this is going to hurt both of them. I, I think what it did for me watching that was that it showed me that Thielen's healthy and he's capable, again, of doing you know putting up these numbers. And so to me, it means that neither of these guys are going to be very consistent moving forward. I just don't see Cousins putting up the passing volume and yards to keep them both, you know, like I said, fantasy relevant for a lot of the year, especially with, I mean, Kyle Rudolph is what he is, but you drafted Irv Smith. I think there's some presence there at tight end too that has to be accounted in. Dalvin Cook catches the ball out of the backfield as well. So um, I just, I, 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 to me, what this did was just reassure me that, uh, neither uh, Stefan Diggs or Adam Thielen are going to have the consistency that I would look for in a top receiving option. So maybe I should kind of lower my expectations with both those guys. Um, my final one here is Jadavian Clowney knocking Carson once. Absolutely silly. Um, so I'm really sad about this for Carson Wentz. I'm a big Carson Wentz guy. Love Carson Wentz. Um, really like Carson Wentz, the human being. Um, I like a lot of Eagles, which is really weird for me. I'm a Steelers fan from Pittsburgh. Like we're not supposed to like Philadelphia anything. Um, but I have found a soft spot for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, in, in the warm, fuzzy place. My heart guys, where the, whoa, what the, f- are we, Easy. do you see, see what whoa. I did there? <laughs> um, but seriously, I, I I feel bad for Carson Wentz. I mean, the guy finally plays in a playoff game, right? So he has he has the injury. Uh, you know, he's he's having an absolutely monster season. Um, blows his ACL out, and Nick Folds leads the Eagles to their first Super Bowl championship in franchise history. Carson Wentz doesn't make it back to the playoffs for a couple of years. Finally, does, and the ninth offensive play or eighth offensive play, somewhere in that range. Bam, Jadavian Clowney hits him from the backside, knocks him out of the game. The Eagles lose and they're out. I mean, I just, that was a what the F moment for me because I was like, come on, man. What the, like, come on. Like, let the guy play a full playoff game. You know, I mean, Carson Wentz is a, I believe Carson Wentz is a great quarterback. I think he has a chance to be one of the really, really good ones in this league over the course of his career, if he can stay healthy. And obviously that's the biggest, the biggest thing. Um, but I just, this was a, a, what the F moment for me, because I was just disappointed um, that he was injured again that early in that game. Uh, you know, I think that's a different game, at least a more competitive game. If Carson Wentz uh, is in the game. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go here only because we have a pretty, uh, pretty, Stark contrast here for me. Um, so I I am not a Carson Wentz fan. Um, I uh, I I just I I'm not um, I'm not an Eagles fan. I don't like a lot of the parts of that team. Um, however, I will say this: I also feel bad for Wentz. I I, I hated the the fact that 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 hit happened. It should have been reviewed. It was it was helmet to helmet. It, that should have been a penalty. I mean. Um, I will say I don't think that Clowney was trying to be dirty on the play. I don't. Um, I, I'm sure that others disagree, and that's fine. Um, but I don't feel that there was intent there. However, either way, it's, it should have been a penalty. Um, so, 
yeah, I, I, I don't have that, that like for the, for the Eagles uh, team or organization. There's a lot of, a lot of pieces I don't like. I, I'm not a huge fan of the head coach there either. Um, I, I don't, Doug Peterson doesn't install a lot of confidence in me um, as a, as a fantasy uh, owner. Um, so yeah, I, do, I don't love the Eagles as a team. However, uh, I will say that again, yeah, I, I felt bad for once. And uh, while I don't buy into once, I'm not a, a big you know, a big Wentz guy. Um, I, I did want to see him, you know, succeed on that, on that stage. I felt like, you know, the, the stage was right for him to, to be able to, to make, uh, and if he would have succeeded, if he would have been able to stay in that game and win that game with all the limitations, they had two starting linemen out, uh, you know, receivers are plucking from the stands. I mean, that would have been amazing. Yeah, it was just an unfortunate thing. I mean, I, I agree, James. I don't necessarily think that the intent by Jadavian Clowney was was anything malicious. I mean, when you watch it, it looks like a dirty hit, but I don't think he was trying to hit him that way to hurt him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think the intent was there. Eagles fans probably feel very differently and are probably cussing at me right now, which is fine. Um, but I just felt bad for Wentz. You know, I mean, especially after... Everything he went through the Super Bowl winning season, you know, where I mean, he's he's not really a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He's got the ring and he was the starter that year, but he wasn't the one that led them to the championship. So, you know, I, I just felt bad in his first playoff game that that happened and he didn't he, he hasn't had a chance yet because of injury and 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 poor performance team wise. Uh, he hasn't had a chance yet to lead the Eagles to the promised land where they want to be and, and you know, where he can be called that guy. So I just thought that was unfortunate. I'm going to go next here and I'm going to go with my what the F. So guys, I'm going to go pretty quick through mine. Uh, mine are not nearly as interesting as Brian's or as awesome as John's. So I'm, I'm going to go pretty quick, guys. So uh, my first one is the Cowboys coaching search. What the F was that? I mean, they were bringing in like – head coaches and interviewing them for a head coaching vacancy. And they didn't even have a vacancy yet. And then not only that, but then they, they, Mike McCarthy, they bring in Mike McCarthy and the dude doesn't sleep at a hotel. He sleeps at Jerry Jones's house. How weird is that? Is that creepy? That That's creepy, right? That's a little creepy. Like, do you think Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones got in their PJs and, you know, we're, we're, you know, playing hide and seek around the house and, you know, do you think Mrs. Jones read them a bedtime story and tucked them in and they just bonded, you know, in their fort and, you know, they decided to make a pact to be best friends forever. And then Jerry Jones, you know, just let, let go of Jason Garrett. I mean, it, it was so I, everything was backwards on that on that whole thing. It was it was silly. Um, and I, 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 I mean, that was that had to be the weirdest co coaching search that I can remember. I mean, that was that was really weird. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's definitely strange. That situation with McCarthy staying at Jerry Jones' house, it reminds me of Jim Harbaugh recruiting Quinn Norton, a kicker. Do you, did you hear that story? That was on message board, like college football recruiting message board. No, no. Well, it was, it, was, it was rumored, and I don't know the validity of any of this, but it was rumored that Jim Harbaugh, for his in-home visit with this particular athlete, stayed at his home like – overnight and they had like a movie watching thing and like all kinds of weird stuff. I don't know if that's true or not. Jim Harbaugh's a weird guy, so it wouldn't surprise me. 
Uh, but I have I have no idea if if that actually happened. But that's what I thought of when you said about Mike McCarthy staying over at Jerry Jones' house. That is certainly strange. And the fact that that was all going on while they hadn't let Jason Garrett exactly know his status with the organization is kind of unprofessional. Yeah, it's messed up, right? <laughs> very, very, James. That is a very valid what the f- yeah, yeah. Someone want to wake John up so we can get his opinion too. I I'm stuck on the 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 kicker uh, with Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> that thing, um, it, it's it's strange to me. First of all, I I mean to put on the full court press for a kicker, uh, is uh is is an interesting strategy to me. But um, I'm also just kind of curious because now we finally have a person who could confirm or deny. Uh, the the theory that Jim Harbaugh his pajamas are also khaki. I just linked I just linked it to you guys in the private chat. The story. No, we gotta you can get that you can, on you can, so we can get the answer to that question, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll have to work on that. Quinn Norton, all right, He's coming on the Super Show, and we're gonna nice. ask about the about the sleep the sleepover with Jim Harbaugh. John, make it happen. All right, so I'm, I'm going to go to my next what the F. Chris Godwin's price. I know, I know, Brian. I know he's an ex-Penn Stater, so he, he must be the greatest ever. But but his price is insane. Look, okay, so I saw a mock draft, Superflex mock draft. Industry folk, people that I, I respect uh, taking part in this mock. Chris Godwin in a Superflex startup mock went in the first round. No. That is insane. He went in the first round and Cortland Sutton went in the middle of the fourth. You cannot tell me that there is that big of a gap between Chris Godwin and, and Cortland Sutton. That is insane. What the F is going on here, gentlemen? Brian, I know you, I know you love the guy. I know he's an ex Penn Stater, but come on. The first round of a super flex mock. Okay, so here, so I, a couple things here. Okay, first of all, let me start by saying that as much as I love Chris Godwin, I would not trade Saquon Barkley for him. I, I just, I just want to make that clear for everyone who's listening. It's very important. Um, but also, James, do you know where Chris Godwin finished this year in terms of wide receiver numbers? He also missed Week 16. Do you know where he finished? No, no, I don't. Wide receiver, two. Okay. 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 Cortland Sutton was a wide receiver, two. He finished 18th. Okay. Cortland Sutton is a guy that I really like, too. Don't get me wrong here. Okay. I love Cortland Sutton. I don't think Chris Godwin is a first-round startup pick. I will agree with you there. I do not think he is a first-round startup pick in Superflex leagues. Okay. I do think... I would consider, consider, I'm not saying I would have the balls to do it, but I'd consider him in the late second. I don't know that I'd do it, but I'd consider it. Um, but yes, first round is is high. That's that's high. That that's a yeah, that would have been one where you know you see it pop up in your email and you're like, whoa, yeah, I I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's it's a little too much. And and while you're right, he was the wide receiver too this year. Um, 
next year that doesn't that doesn't get me any points. I don't, I don't really care where he finished. Um, I'm looking to the future, Brian. That's how I do this. Um, so, John, <laughs> would you would you uh, would you care to comment on Chris Godwin's value? Is he is he a first round? Uh, is he a first round pick in a super flex startup? So, I mean, in order to take Chris Godwin in the first round, some of the guys that you would have to pass on include, uh, well, if if you believe in drafting running backs early, which I do not, uh, you would have to pass on guys like Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. You would have to pass on Deshaun Watson. You would have to pass on uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams. Like, so, you, you'd have to... It, it, I, to take him, even to take him at one twelve, you've got to pass on at least one of those guys. In order so how? Okay, so question: mm-hmm. How many of those guys? So if if I'm sitting here and I'm hearing you read these names, yeah, how many, in your opinion, and in James's opinion, because this is going to be fun, how many names? I, I mean, if if I were to say, I would take Chris Godwin over. Like how many of these guys would it take for me to for you guys to think that I was certifiably absolutely batshit crazy? Maybe any of them, to be honest. Okay, then I'm batshit crazy. <laughs> you, because I definitely would take him over a couple of those guys, not all of them. The running backs, no. The quarterbacks, no. Over, I would take him. I would take him over Tyreek Hill. Oh man. I would take him over Tyreek Hill. And for me, and look, you guys know me. I'm consistent with this. <laughs> I'm consistent with this. Yeah. And I've said we've had discussions about it on this show and on other shows. Um, I don't like the risk involved with off-the-field junk. Now, mm-hmm. yes, Tyreek Hill, when he is on the field, is electric, and he's an elite-level player. So is Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think I could do Chris Godwin over Zeke. Um, I, 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 Adams? I, I no, no, I'd take Adams. Okay, I'd take Adams. Um, he, but, but Hill, Hill is the one for me yeah. out of that group that I would probably take Godwin over. I understand why that sounds crazy, but I also, I also honestly think that I would, I would probably do that. Well, well me, so, so here's the first question though: Would you take Chris Godwin over Mike Evans? No. Okay. Okay. Let me ask a, a quick question, Brian. What if would would your opinion change if Tampa Bay does not bring back Jameis Winston? Yeah. So that's a very valid point. I, I think so. If they do bring back Jameis Winston, I don't think it's as crazy as an, of an idea as I think it is today. Look, you guys hate. Jameis Winston, just you just hate him. You just hate, hate him. There's hate there's him. nothing you could say today hate or tomorrow hate, or hate, you hate, hate. Okay, good. So you're agreeing with me. <laughs> but from a fantasy perspective, yeah. Outside of Jameis himself, who who actually did also finish as the quarterback through this year, but but who very validly you've both pointed out throws a shit ton of interceptions and absolutely you're losing points every time he does that so but but outside of Jameis doing that stuff he's good for those receivers as a fantasy asset 
So yeah. if so yeah. if he comes back, I think that elevates Evans and and Godwin, or or maybe not elevates them, but it justifies where they're being drafted. You know, when they're being drafted so highly. Now again, end of the first round. I don't know. That's tough for me. I mean, I I think I would feel a little bit more comfortable taking Evans at the end of the first round than I would Godwin at the end of the first round, just based on what I've seen over a longer period of time. But I don't think it's crazy to see both of them go in the first two rounds if Jameis returns. Now, if they bring in a rookie quarterback who's not highly touted, if they bring in, you know, a veteran quarterback who, you know, who concerns me or something, Andy Dalton or I even like Andy Dalton. But but you get the point if they, you know, then then yes. I mean, if that quarterback situation changes then that can drive their values down. Absolutely. And that's a very valid point. All right. Well, I, I, I don't want to spend all day on Chris Godwin. I will say this. I, um, I, I would probably even take Amari Cooper over Chris Godwin. That's just my personal opinion. You're but, gross. I would too. And yeah. Odell You're Beckham gross. Jr. Too. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, Odell, yeah I, I would probably take Odell. I would probably take Odell. I would. Right. I don't know that I'd take Amari Cooper though. But what? that is that for me. Just to you know, find, Juju Smith Schuster. I would also take over Chris Godwin still. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it, for the same reason that I would take Tyreek Hill over Chris Godwin. It's just it's the opportunity. You know, it's it's the fact that so much of the passing game is consolidated to that one guy. Whereas, you know, Chris Godwin. I mean, we already established he's not even the number one on his own team. Um, and, and for me, that's kind of the first qualifier for that, like elite tier. So, um, so Chris Godwin isn't quite there for me, but that, that is the line for me. And Chris Godwin's a, a, a kind of a mid to late second round pick for me because of that. Um, I would still take him over guys like DJ Moore and Kenny Galladay, Julio Jones. Those are some of the guys who are directly below him in uh, ADP at the wide receiver position. So Okay, so I have another question, and I know we've spent a lot of time on this, James, and I know you want to move on, and I know you have a lot of good good things left, and, and we haven't even gotten into John's yet. But so so this is a this is a what if question, right? So what if Antonio Brown hadn't gone off his rocker and hadn't requested a trade? And he's still in Pittsburgh to start this season. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they just they just had a year where both of those receivers were above 1,400 yards receiving, had 170 some targets, and both were over 100 catches. Yeah. Okay. In Brown and, and Smith Schuster. So if they had started the 2019 season with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger and both of those guys on the outside, I mean, aren't we talking about the exact same situation? I think there's a key difference. If if that were to happen, Juju Smith-Schuster would have proven in himself over a longer period of time. I can trust him a little bit more. I know that this wasn't just one one good season or one season where, you know, uh, an outlier. I, I don't know that with Chris Godwin yet. Um, to, to assume that this is going to be the norm for him or that he's going to be a top five fantasy wide receiver from here on out is to me it's bold it's too bold i i just haven't seen it enough um and and i i get it you want to be ahead of the curve on guys like this but i mean if if this is his price you're buying him at a ceiling already um you know a, a first round pick in a super flex mock i mean you're buying him at wide receiver two he has to finish at wide receiver two or three for him to to just save value for him to you know um to be worth that pick so 
to me, it, it, it would be a little bit different just because I, I, I would look for longevity. I would look for, you know, how, how often have you done it? How long have you proven it type thing? All right. Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a valid point. And I think, um, yeah, yeah. We'll just, we'll, I, I have an interesting, um, I, I want to have some more conversation about this, but I think we probably ought to move on, uh, in, into the list stuff. So, um, but yeah, that's it. Remember that civil conversation that we were talking yes, about? Yes. Yes. All right. We're going to have that after. Well, maybe uh, not this tonight. This is going to be fun. We'll, yeah. We'll, no, but we'll have to, uh, we'll have to have a, um, an episode where Chris Godwin is, is the center of, uh, of conversation. <laughs> well, so I'll we, be here. I mean, I will certainly be here for that. All right. All right. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> okay. So my next take is basically off and, and John mentioned, I've been running, um, some, um, super flex rookie mocks and, and it's early. I'm going to do them a few different times. I'm going to do them again after the combine. And then again, after the NFL draft and see kind of how the list changes. But as of right now, um, Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa has he went 1.07 in the Superflex mock. He was the second quarterback taken at that spot. What the f? How is Tua going at the 1.07 in Superflex rookie mocks? That's insane to me. Tua should be, in my opinion, the 1.02, the 1.03, maybe the latest. I mean, I, I that's insane to me, gentlemen. What do you guys think about Tua's value in this thing? I think you're getting trolled. I think that's all that is at that point. That's the that the gift from uh uh from from the Batman series with uh um Christian Bale where it's uh, uh uh what the hell's his name Michael Caine I think where he's saying, you know, some men just like to watch the world burn. I think you've got a lot of that guy, like several hundred of that guy showing up and voting on your yeah, I, man, I don't know. I, I really feel like they took into account, they, they probably overdid it, but they took into account that Tua at the time didn't declare. So we mm -hmm. didn't know they were hearing rumors of him coming back and also that he may sit, you know, the full season. Um, so, and, and again, you know, that's, that's their take. If they, if they want someone that's going to contribute right away and they want someone that, you know, is, is for sure going to declare, you know, as of right now, they wouldn't risk taking them that high with some of the other talent on the board, I get it, but I, I still, I still think, at, you know, the 1.03 is probably the furthest I would have let him, let him slide. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I just wonder if he's going to be that polarizing value player where, you know, once, once the combine happens, if his medical comes back good and he has that high draft capital, we're going to see this guy jump up the mocks at the 1.02 or 1.03 at that point. Um, once we, once I do these mocks again after the NFL draft. So um, it's interesting, but I, I, I don't know. I don't, I think there's definitely some of that trolling going on. I do agree with that, John. I just yeah. don't know if it's that much. Um, I'm not sure. What, what's your take, Brian? Yeah, it's way too late. I mean, you know, again, it's probably, we're probably tapping into that. What, what's going on lately thing. You know, I mean, people get worried. Oh, Tua might not be able to be my day one starter. I'm not taking him that high. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I understand. I just in super flex leagues, you know, how many times do we have to say that the cheapest way to get quarterbacks is through the draft, whether it's a startup or whether it's a rookie draft, um, you know, so I, I absolutely agree that he should be no later than the one Oh three. Um, 
assuming that the medical's clear. I mean, if we hear something different at the combine about his medical, you know, then okay, then maybe we maybe we have another discussion. But as it stands right now, assuming that he's going to heal completely from this, you know, I, I don't see how he drops past the one hundred and three. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think the fact that he declared for the NFL draft, I think that that would change things if you were to go back and, and restart the, the mock draft now. Mm-hmm. I think that makes a big difference. But I do think that people need to change their mindset on on Tua specifically because, uh, I mean, you you anytime you draft a rookie quarterback, you do so with the understanding that there's a good chance that you don't see them or at least see them much in that first year. And that that's that's fine. You know, that that red shirt rookie year, that's I, I mean, Pat Mahomes did that. And I, I you know, anybody who passed up on Pat Mahomes just because Alex Smith was there and you know that it wasn't it wasn't likely that Mahomes was going to to supplant Alex Smith as a rookie, you know you obviously you missed out on a 50 touchdown season because you were just, you know, you were worried about the fact that you weren't going to get Pat Mahomes for 2017. So it, you know, think of it the same way with Tua, you know, forget about the injury. The fact of the matter is, you know, that there's a good chance that he wasn't going to play this first year, healthy or not. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and not to mention the fact that even if some of these rookie QBs do play, what do you expect? I mean, the first year, you know, as, as a starting quarterback in the NFL, I mean, a lot of most of these quarterbacks don't, you know, come out of the gates firing. I mean, it's rare that they do, um, you know, I mean, to count on him as anything more than a QB three anyhow. Yeah, um, is dangerous. You know, you don't want to do that anyways. And if you're drafting quarterback that early um, and you have that pick, there's a good chance you're, you're rebuilding anyways. So it might take you a couple years anyhow to acquire picks. So, you know, it might even be a good thing. Your team might lose more um, without having to tank or anything unethical like that. And, you know, you might end up with a better pick. So, um, yeah, I, I think we're all in agreement here. So I'm going to move on to my next one. And my, my next what the F is the 2020 class now might be great, or the 2021 rookie class now might be greater than the 2020 rookie class. No. What the f? I mean, <laughs> we were talking all off season about how great, uh, uh, all season rather, starting last off season, how great this 2020 class is, how great it's going to be. The running backs are stacked. Oh man, the receivers are great, and now all of a sudden we get the time for people to declare and there's receivers coming back and they're you know chuba hubbard might even come back now we're hearing and so now all of a sudden it's well boy that 2021 wide receiver class boy that looks solid there's 10 12 names that class might be better now than the 2020 class this happens every single year it it, there's no exception there is no exception next year's or two year from now's class is going to be better than this year's class and then you're going to hear it again next year and it just it's it always happens but what the f with this class i mean it was so highly and remember john you and i if, if people listened you and i we told them we said hey look there's too much uncertainty right now. Don't go selling everything for these 2020 uh, picks. Don't go overvaluing them. And people still did, John. So uh, what do you think, John? Uh, this 2021 class is now greater than the 2020 class. Is this 
is this a trend that we've been seeing nonstop? And um, is it something that we're going to have to continue cautioning people on year in and year out? <laughs> uh, it sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, if people are going to start trading out of 2020 um, to start loading up on 2021, 20, I mean, you can really just, uh, you know, to your point, you can keep kicking the can down the street forever as far as that goes, because in 2021, there are going to be some guys that were looking forward to who go back to school and come out in 2022. I mean, this is just, this is a, a, a perpetual thing. Um, so, you know, it, it, I don't think that, uh, it, even though we're kind of losing some depth here in 2020, I don't think that the overall quality of this class necessarily goes down. You know, like in, in relation to every other rookie class, I think this is still an, an exceptionally talented class. I think that, you know, it, it, we we were overpaying for 2020 picks um, anyways. I mean, we always overpay for for draft picks uh, just kind of as a collective. We all we we always do that. But, you know, 2020 in particular, we were, you know, we were extra excited about this this class. And I don't think it's going to disappoint, you know, in, in relation to, I think it's still going to be significantly better than the 2019 rookie group, um, particularly the, the running backs, possibly the quarterbacks. Um, and it sounds like the, I, I, I think the wide receivers are still probably deeper than 2019. It sounds like, um, mm -hmm. I, I don't know that they're necessarily going to be more talented. You know, I, I don't know. And, and, you know, this is non-Devi guy talking here. So, you know, I, I, I don't have any more insight than anybody else. Um, but my, my feeling on it is that, you know, Jerry, Judy, CD lamb, those guys are probably, they're not necessarily going to be any, you know, that much better than DK Metcalf, AJ Brown. Um, you know, I, I, I get that they're, you know, they have, they have better tape, but I, I don't, I don't know that they're going to be any more productive. You know, I, I, I think that this, this class is, is still everything that we thought it was going to be. Um, don't trade out and, and, you know, start looking to 2021 because you're going to run into the same thing next year. And, you know, you're, you're, it's going to be an inferior class anyways to, to 2020. Uh, what, let's, let's go with uh, Tom Brady is, is going to follow Josh McDaniels now. I mean, is that what we're hearing? We're hearing that, you know, Josh McDaniels may take a head coaching job and Hey, maybe the plan is, is that Tom Brady is going to join him? I don't know, but I do know that right now, as of, as of today, the only coach, uh, the only opening that we have, we're recording Tuesday night is for the Cleveland Browns. And I, I have made it very well known on Twitter. I want Josh McDaniels to be the next head coach of the Cleveland Browns, not because he'd bring Brady with him. I don't even know if this is um, true to me. It's more of a what the F I think Brady stays in new England, like he should. And McDaniels should probably go somewhere at this point in coach. Cause um, he might be waiting an awful long time in new England for that job to open. Um, what do you guys think? Is there any ways to this that Brady's going to follow McDaniels wherever he goes? I mean, it, it, might depend on on where McDaniel's goes if he goes anywhere. I, I I still don't know that he will. I mean, I unless he knew what was going on with Andrew Luck's health, um, you know, 
prior to the 2018 season, which I don't think he did. I don't think anyone really did. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, he had, he had about as good of a opportunity as he was possibly going to get with the Indianapolis Colts. And he bailed on them to stay with the new England Patriots. I don't, I just, I can't imagine Josh McDaniels leaving. I, I, I know the connection with, uh, with Cleveland, but I just think that, you know, he's, he's been waiting it out for the opportunity to take over the new England Patriots. And I don't know that he's going to give up on that now. So, but if, if he was, you know, if that did happen, I think, I, I don't think that it makes sense for Cleveland to bring in Tom Brady and, you know, just give up on Baker Mayfield just because, you know, the, the head coach wants that, especially when it's Josh McDaniels who has already done this before. You know, he already, he, he chased Jay Cutler out of Denver uh, in favor of Matt Castle. And then he actually didn't even end up with Matt Castle. He ended up with Kyle Orton and I, I it ended up kind of being his downfall. I, I mean, I, I don't, I can't imagine anybody gives him that type of freedom again, even for Tom Brady. I don't see it happening. Yeah. I mean, my, my feeling on Josh McDaniels is he better hope like hell Tom Brady goes with him. Cause he hadn't done Jack in this league without Tom Brady. Period. Tell prove me wrong. Yeah. You know, I just, I don't, I don't, I, I think Tom Brady has made Josh McDaniels and that Josh McDaniels should thank Tom Brady for, for his career. Yeah. Because without Tom Brady, what, what has McDaniels done? James, I'll ask you as a Browns fan who's sitting there, you know, thinking, Hey, I might want this guy as, as my coach. I mean, I mean, certainly with Tom Brady, he's absolutely excelled. I mean, they've been fantastic, especially. Well, I mean, I mean, they've been fantastic the whole time they've been together. So if you're using that as the track record, yes, absolutely. I would get excited about Josh McDaniels, too. What's concerning to me is without Tom Brady, who's the greatest quarterback of all time. What is Josh McDaniels? And I don't know that we know that yet. Here, here's my thing, Brian, is you, you would have to feel the same way about Bill, Bill Belichick then, right? Bill Belichick didn't do anything in previous coaching stops as a head coach. He went to New England. He won six Super Bowls with Tom Brady and with Josh McDaniels. He didn't win a Super Bowl without McDaniels. So to me, I mean, they uh, Josh McDaniels has accomplished what Bill Belichick has, no? I mean, with Brady, if you want to look at it that way. Um, so I, I guess to me, it's I, I, McDaniels. Definitely. He had that. He had his chance in Denver. He made a lot of mistakes. Um, I think most head coaches, their first stop, it doesn't work out. They make a lot of mistakes. Um, Bill Belichick did it in Cleveland too. Um, and, you know, was let go when they moved to Baltimore. So, um, you know, to me, you, you make some mistakes, but you can grow from them. You can learn from them. I'm hoping that McDaniels has. I really like his system. Um, I think it it can, you know, he can excel as an NFL head coach. I do believe in that. However, there there is, you know, I mean, you're taking a chance because you haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen him excel as a head coach. Um, but I don't think there's a lot of head coaching options out there. I mean, Kevin Stefanski, you haven't really seen, you know, exceed as a head coach. Um, you know, uh, Eric Bieniemy. Um, as much as Andy Reid's, you know, coaching tree has been been pretty good, 
the jury's still out on Matt Nagy, and I really hated what I saw this year from that. Um, I mean, when you have Mitchell Trubisky as your quarterback and you're dropping back 35 to 40 times a game because you refuse to run the ball more than seven attempts to David Montgomery, um, I, I've got questions. So uh, there, there's, you know, there's not a lot of options out there that that are safe and secure anymore. Um, you know, with McCarthy going, you know, as early as he did, um, and and Ron Rivera going as early as he did. So um, I, I think with what you're left with, you you have a bunch of unproven unproven guys. So uh, to me, you're going to have to pick one of them. And and I, I like Josh McDaniels out of the bunch. Yeah, and and that is a fair statement about Bill Belichick. I mean that that's a fair that's a fair statement. Um, I, I think. I think Belichick was very successful as as a defensive coordinator too prior to his head coaching opportunities with the Giants when he was under Bill Parcells. But then he also had Lawrence Taylor, who might be the greatest defender of all time. So, you know, so I understand the parallels there. That was actually a pretty good counterpoint to 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 kind of what I was saying. So that that will make me think about that, James. Well done. Well done. Look at that. I'm opening I'm, minds over I'm, here. I'm still not I'm still not convinced I'm on board with McDaniels, but uh but that was very well presented. Congratulations. All good. right. All right. Well, thank you. And and fair enough. Now I'm gonna get to my last one. This what they have. The Bears, okay. So the Chicago Bears hold their season ending press conference, right? And it, Ryan Pace is finally talking. Their GM Ryan Pace, he he hadn't I, he hadn't made a public statement since like the preseason, right? So finally, he's available to the press and, you know, he and Matt Nagy are there and they, you know, they, they answer the press's questions. Oh, you know, we're Mitch is still our guy, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, we we, we all have to make uh, some changes, you know, if this is going to work and, you know, Matt's going to be back next year and everything. Great. They don't announce any changes within three hours after the press conference. They fired three coaches, three I, I to me that's just insane to fire three coaches after the press conference and you did it after the press conference so you didn't have to take questions on it. I mean to me that that is so that's so chicken chicken at chicken crap um that that you would do that. You know, I mean the, so now now Ryan Pace gets to make these moves and uh Matt Nagy gets to make these moves and there's no press conference so you don't have to answer questions on it. Um you know, the next time you talk to the press is is uh, scheduled for like a couple months uh before free agency uh or before the combine. So I mean, I, to me that was just a, a just such a backhanded way to go around it. What the f is that? Have you guys ever heard of anything like that? No, it's pretty awful. I, I I just I agree with everything you said there. I think it's garbage, a garbage way to handle things. Um yeah, that I mean that's all I have to say about it too. It's junk. It's junk. Absolute trash. John, what do you think? Yeah, and, and, and the problem is you know, when when you fall into a culture like this where where your organization is this poorly run it spills over onto the field and it takes a long time to recover from this back to Josh McDaniels. The reason I have nothing good to say about the guy, even though, you know, there, there was some stuff that he did here in Denver that was, that ended up being kind of a, a, a hidden gift that we kind of found out later, you know, like Demarius Thomas, for instance, was a Josh McDaniels draft pick that we didn't realize how good he was until Josh McDaniels was gone. Um, you know, mostly because he dealt with injuries through his rookie season. Um, 
there there were a lot of things like that and there were a lot of players like that that it was like man he he actually was onto something there but his overall approach in his the the overall culture that he created in denver it, it took some time to recover from and it would have took a lot longer if it wasn't for the signing of peyton manning this would have been a long-term rebuild if it wasn't for for Peyton Manning coming in here. So, you know, in, in the bears are kind of on that same track and, and it's, yeah, it, it's going to take a while to recover from this. This is going to be a, a bad team in a poorly run organization. Uh, if this isn't dealt with swiftly and, uh, um, and seriously. I agree with that, man. I agree with that. So John, let's move on to your list because you got some ones that I really, really am looking forward to addressing. <laughs> well, I'm just going to fire through mine. I, I know we've kind of taken um, a lot more time on on the first half of this than uh, than we meant to. So I'm just going to throw out all six of mine for you guys, and and then you can react to whatever you want to react to. But um, so just to preface this, though. I'm a little burnt out from football. I and I think that a lot of people are probably feeling that right now. Um it it, it was uh it was a strange fantasy season. Um uh, it felt like a very long season and uh we're trying to recover a little bit. I mean our our co-host Stompy is on a whole month hiatus and and you know we we didn't all feel like we uh uh, wanted to step away for that long, but I, I'm definitely kind of taking a little bit of time to decompress. And and therefore a lot of what I'm kind of consuming on Twitter lately, you, you know, I'm, I, I haven't been nearly as, uh, as interactive on Twitter as I normally am. And I'll, I'll be back to that. Uh, I, and I still, you know, I still respond to all of my DMS. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always down to talk super flex. I just haven't been initiating it the way I normally would. Um, I'm kind of trying to decompress a little bit and therefore the time spent on Twitter actually ends up being not, a not, not spent on football a whole lot. So this is going to reflect, uh, the way I actually spend my time on Twitter. So first of all, good old Florida, man, <laughs> uh, this is a, this is a headline, um, that I found on Twitter, Florida man wakes up to find another man sucking on his toes. <laughs> First of all, I, I, hashtag no context. I mean, I don't have the context behind this. Um, and therefore you're not going to get the context behind this, but I, I don't know that it matters. Uh, I don't, I don't know what context uh, one man. I, I mean, first of all, where are you that you, you fall asleep with the possibility of waking up to another man sucking on your toes. Like what, what, what are, where are we at? What are we doing where that's even within the range of outcomes? Can I, can I real quick? Okay. So this can read very differently because it could read a Florida man wakes up and finds, like you said, a, a, another man sucking on, on his toes. Mm -hmm. Or it could read that a Florida man wakes up and he finds yet another man sucking on his own toes. <laughs> so, so it yeah. could read that way to the point where he just like every every day he's waking up and there's just some gentleman like in front of him just sucking on his own toes. 
and and it just seems to happen. He like and that's a headline. Like, yeah, he wakes up and there's another man there <laughs> sucking on his own toes. Yeah. So I, I I think the no context thing is huge because there's there's a there's a few different ways you could take this. Every every morning, six thirty a.m., wake up and uh, <laughs> instead of the rooster crowing, it's uh, it's it's Billy Bob sucking on his own toes. That that's what wakes him up. That's his alarm clock. But it's not always Billy Bob. The next day, it's Billy Joe, and then you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, different, <laughs> a different, a different guy every day. Yeah, to find like, yet another another man sucking on his toes. Like there's a there's a club of three hundred sixty five men. <laughs> <laughs> who like meet and coordinate like, all right. So, so Friday's your day, right? Oh, I can't make it Friday. Can somebody cover me? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, whichever, whichever one of those scenarios it actually is, I, they both hit just as hard. They're both huge <laughs> WTF moments. Oh man. That's great. Um, <laughs> there is a little bit of football out in, uh, in the, the super flex dude universe. Um, Ronald Jones has an ADP of 1212, the very last pick of the 12th round. Uh, one spot ahead of 2020 rookie pick 2.07. What the actual F? Ronald Jones is and has been the best running back in Tampa Bay. I don't, I, I, I have a hard time believing that Tampa Bay is going to actually go out and find a replacement for Ronald Jones. I, I mean, I get that Bill, that Bruce Arians wants more of a receiving back, but I, I just, I, I, I think you've got to see what you've got. Actually, give Ronald Jones that role, and it, it's amazing to me how quickly Bruce Arians was willing to bench Ronald Jones for missing a block, yet he'll let his quarterback throw for thirty interceptions. At some point, you've got to actually, you've got to give. Ronald Jones, the same type of leash that Jameis Winston just got and see what happens. And I think that you're going to find out that Ronald Jones is quite a bit better than this 12-12 p He's better than anything you're going to get with your with the seventh pick of the second round in your rookie draft. Guaranteed. Love it. All right, number three. Uh, this was another headline. This was not Florida. This is just kind of uh, around this country just in general. Uh, and, and maybe even around the world. I'm not even sure. Like, again, kind of missing a little bit of context here, but an average of 19 people die every New Year's from someone shooting guns in the air. What the F? Okay, Yosemite Sam, this is very basic physics. What goes up must come down. You shoot that thing up in the air, it's going to come down on somebody's head, and it's going to kill them. Like, this, is, this seems really pretty easy. Like shoot it at some kind of an angle. If if you if that's the way that you're gonna celebrate the New Year's, like at least use a little bit of very basic gun safety. Don't shoot the gun straight into the freaking air. <sighs> Number four, from weeks 14 to 16, Daniel Jones scored more points in one game, which was week 16. <laughs> nice. We've got a new drop. That's perfect. Uh, it, it, it's, this actually applies to, uh, to sharpshooter Daniel Jones. Uh, he scored more, more points in week 16. His one, the one game that he played at the end of the season, he, he made it back for week 16. He scored more points in that one game than Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins scored, uh, over the course of three games. 
<sighs> I, and you know how much that one hurts me, particularly Aaron Rodgers. I, I and I still believe in Kirk Cousins as well. Uh, but I mean, we you can't be scoring ten points a week, especially in people's fantasy playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's that's where the rankings start to where these guys start to slide in my super flex rankings as much times as winning people, super bowl championships, <laughs> fantasy championships. <laughs> there, yeah, there's just as much to say about Daniel Jones. There is, uh, is, uh, is Aaron Rodgers and Kirk cousins, by the way, uh, for the, over the last three, three seasons. I mean, we saw it was Carson Wentz in 2017, it was uh, Pat Mahomes in 2018 and Lamar Jackson here in 2019. We had a breakout rookie, a, a, a second-year quarterback, have that have that breakout season, that monster season. I still think that Drew Locke is is going to be the guy that I ultimately get behind uh, for the 2020 season. But Daniel Jones is right there in the conversation, and especially um, it, it it definitely complicates things. Now that they hired Joe Judge, uh, a, uh, a Patriots disciple, a Bill Belichick, um, run the ball with a, a million different running backs, uh, that type of approach. Um, kind of what the same thing that we've seen from Matt Patricia, kind of what we saw from Brian Flores for a lot of the season. It, it, it definitely dampens what I think that Daniel Jones could potentially be in 2020. But I still think that you could do a lot worse than buying low on Drew Locke and Daniel Jones and see which one of those guys ends up being that big breakout star. Yeah, why not both? I mean, you you mentioned Wentz, um, but but we had uh, Jared Goff was with Wentz, and that he he really had a second year kind of. He showed yeah. something in his second year. You know, that was his first year under McVay, right? So yeah, and Dak Prescott was from the same class. I I don't I think. Uh, that might his second year might have been kind of his down year, but I mean, yeah, since then, I mean, we've we've kind of seen it. We saw indicators as a rookie, and now here we are, Dak Prescott, arguably a top five dynasty quarterback. So, yeah, there, there are kind of a lot of those guys. Uh, number five, and, and get to get back away from football a little bit, Uber is going to start testing you to see if you're drunk. And if you are, they can refuse to pick you up. What the hell is the point of the of taking an Uber then? Like that's uh, that's a hundred percent of their customer base is the, yeah, the freaking man. drunk people. Like that's that's why Uber exists. So if you're gonna start refusing me because I'm too drunk to to sit in your precious Uber car, I, I, I I'll I'll just I'll go back to taking the the yellow cab. The all threes dial up, dial all threes, and they'll come. Uh, they'll come pick you up, and I can puke all over that thing, and they don't care. I'm not even the first one in the last ten minutes to do that. Yeah, and and I don't know what I'm going to do in my multiple Vegas trips that I take because uh, pretty much inebriated from when I wake up to when I lay my head down to rest. So um, Uber, you just you just lost a ton of business in the Vegas area. That's for sure. Yeah, you done messed up, Uber. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lift is my my thing. That's right. Think it through. Think it through. Uh, last one, and this is actually the Florida woman, um, probably married to Florida man. I would assume. Uh, uh, 
uh, Florida woman arrested for threatening McDonald's employee over dipping sauce. And I actually have context on this one. So Florida woman was arrested for threatening to rob a McDonald's because they did not serve dipping sauce along with her food. A report said Monday. Uh, Maggie McLaughlin, 19, was denied the condiment at a McDonald's in Vero Beach last week and pledged to obtain the dipping sauce by whatever means necessary, according to a police report. The, f- the fracas allegedly took place at about 4 a.m. on New Year's Day when police arrived to witness McLaughlin yelling profanities at the drive through because she claimed she did not receive all of her food. The employee advised McLaughlin that dipping sauce costs 25 cents, read the police report. McLaughlin further stated that she would be getting the sauce by whatever means necessary, however, could not specify what she meant by that. She obviously did not mean uh, paying a quarter um, because uh, that uh, was a very basic um, transaction that was being offered here by any means necessary other than paying a quarter for her dipping sauce. Here, here's the thing. That, here's the thing that gets okay. So I have I have several things to say about this last one. <laughs> so first and foremost, McDonald's, right? The sweet and sour sauce at McDonald's is legit. Like it's worth a quarter. It, it, at oh least. my god! At least, at mm-hmm. least, it mm-hmm. is so freaking good. And 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 yeah, I mean, look, I get the frustration, right? I mean. It's like once every 20 times you go through the drive through that you actually get everything that you ordered, including the sauces that you asked for, that they ask if you want in the first place. Like, you know, would you like any dipping sauce? Yes, I want a boatload of sweet and sour sauce. And I mean, you're lucky if you get one or two for like a 20 piece McNugget. I mean, anyway, we all eat 20 piece McNuggets, right? That's what everybody eats, right? Like the whole, I mean, that's all you can order, right? It's 20 piece McNugget. With the big basket of fries, uh, it's delicious. It's anyways, food. anyways. So, but but yeah, I mean, like, I don't care. Like, well, I'm gonna have to charge you 25 cents per sauce. Okay, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm getting yeah, that sure. stuff. I would also acquire that sauce, sweet and sour, by any means necessary. Now, a drunk lady at 4 a.m. yelling that. I I understand why the cops were called, but um, I'm gonna give this woman the benefit of the doubt and say. Honey, you shouldn't have screamed, but I also, <laughs> I also, you know, I also understand where you're coming from. I like, feel it's, that. Im- yeah. it's important to get that dipping sauce. It really is. It makes yeah. the meal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and don't just withhold it. Yeah. I, I actually, I just did a 180 and, uh, you, you, you just, you swayed me on that one. I'm on, uh, I'm on the side of this drunk chick at 4 a.m. Uh, I, I think, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it don't, you know, you, you certainly don't withhold the sauce. Like, you, it, you're supposed to, first of all, ask me, do I want, do you want some dipping sauce? And of course I do. You can't eat those things without it. Like, it's, it's, those nuggets are synthetic as hell. Like, you've got to, you've got to flavor them up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, first of all, like, don't, like, assume that I want some dipping sauce. Yes. And also assume that if I'm there buying chicken nuggets, that I'm also, you know, I I can also afford some dipping sauce. Uh, So, yeah, there's this. This one's on you, McDonald's. Yeah, no. And and to further that point, I know you guys don't watch Rick and Morty, but I have I have seen Rick 
basically destroy civilizations for the uh, Saskatchewan sauce that they had during a promotion of uh, Mulan, the movie, when it was coming out. Um, so, so that stuff, obviously, I mean, if he's willing to do that, I mean, obviously, you know, her just saying that she's going to get it any means necessary. I mean, that that's, that's worst case scenario, right? And, and <laughs> yeah. she can do that. So I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, I like how, I like how Brian stated it's the sweet and sour sauce. Like we, we have no idea what type of sauce she wanted, but we really do. It was the sweet and sour because that oh, stuff is no doubt about it. It's fantastic at McDonald's, right? It's it's that's the sauce you get. That's that's what it is. And and do we know? Did this lady order order uh, the the McNuggets, um, or was she just hoping to just slather that stuff on like whatever? Yeah, you know? Pure pure, spe pure <laughs> speculation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's entirely possible that all she ordered is sauce, but that just makes it even worse. Like that's what she ordered. Give it to her. She's willing to pay twenty five cents. She she made the trip over here. Yeah, yeah, but I, I I do I do find the image um pretty fitting of a, a drunk woman at four a.m. sitting in McDonald's doing shots of sweet and sour sauce, <laughs> you know, in in the booth, you know, passing out like that. Just seems right. That seems like a Florida McDonald's. Like that's what I expect when I walk in. <laughs> Toast the New Year's before each uh, each sauce packet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty is gonna be my year, and then take <laughs> a shot of straight sweet and sour sauce. It's not gonna be your year, but yeah, no. But you do you. Congratulations. <laughs> I mean, it's still that sweet and sour sauce is still awesome, and uh, and uh, you're uh, you're you're not wrong for doing shots of sweet and sour sauce. You're just wrong to think that your life is going to be awesome as soon as you get done with the. Your your sauce packets. Uh, what about the rest of those? Do you guys, uh, you guys, <laughs> good with the rest with everything else going on in this crazy world, particularly in Florida? Yeah, I, I still absolutely. I, I'm I'm going to be laughing about um, a man, the the man waking up to find another man sucking on his toes. Like that, just to me is that's that's that takes the cake right there. Like. <laughs> I still don't know how, how he means it or who's sucking on whose toes, but I like to visualize both ways and I think both ways are hilarious. So, um, yeah, to me, that's, that's the one that's going to stick with me, John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh that's a pretty good one too. Always, uh, always interesting times in the state of Florida. Well, that was only the first half of our super six and it took, uh, quite a bit longer than we expected. So we're going to break this up into two episodes for you, uh, make this a little bit more manageable to listen to, a little bit more manageable for us to, to, uh, to create for you. And uh, so we'll come back next week with the second half of this Super 6. Um, but for the time being, we're going to wrap it up for the week. And as we do, ask you for a quick favor, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, mega feed and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF. And once you're subscribed, if you'd give us a rating and review, not all podcatchers give you that option, but on the ones that do those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach, get out to larger audience, involve more people in the conversation. And from there, we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. And in the vein of listener interaction, send us your trades on Twitter as Superflex show 
You can also send them to any one of us individually. James is at underscore James the Brain. Brian's at Brian Harff. And I'm at Superflex Dude. We can retweet those polls for you, help you get more votes and comments, and sometimes even bring them here on the podcast and analyze them. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song, The Addiction, that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah,